Dueling Genre Productions presents. Oh my god, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my god, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joseph Dorowski, and this week we are discussing Sam Malone from the Cheers episode, uh, Cheers episodes, Endless Slumber, and Everybody Imitates Art. To help me with the discussion, I am joined by returning guest, Kate Dorowski. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, Kate. Thank you. We just finished recording our <laughs> Diane Chambers episode, but for listeners, it should probably be about a six-month gap. Could be a little more, depending on... <laughs> timeline just, just had to get you while we were in the same city it's fair um well when we had you on to talk about the uh diane uh chambers episode we talked about how you came to cheers but my question for you is do you remember seeing sam malone on fraser and what did you think of him on that show before watching him on cheers oh such a good question you've never asked this one yeah so before. just for our listeners in one single episode of fraser sam malone shows up and uh, when Kate and I co-authored the book on Frasier, there are, let's see, there's a Sam episode, a Diane episode, a Woody episode, and then a and then gang they, episode. They go to Boston. And, and you see, see a lot of the Cheers episodes, but not Sam. Not Sam. At that point. I think he was over doing Decker. <laughs> Couldn't get up and get back. Uh, yeah, that was my first exposure to Sam. And I kind like, I knew of the character. He's famous in pop culture. And I didn't get it. I was just kind of like, this guy is all the hype. Like, it just didn't connect mm-hmm. with him. He was a womanizer. I didn't see the appeal. I didn't understand, like, why would everyone be charmed by this man? And then I started watching Cheers. And even from the first episode, I was like, I get it now. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm on board. This is a charming man. Yes. Um, even with his flaws, which we'll talk about in this episode, 
Like there's so much that you kind of root for him. I mean, to be women better. love flawed, <laughs> charming men. <laughs> we live for. Um, so yeah, flaws and all. Love him. Yeah, and uh, similarly, like that was when I first saw Sam Malone. I like I have memories of my parents watching Tears of our parents watching Tears. <laughs> not, not my parents, our parents. Ours. Uh, th- this was one of their their go to shows where in the era of appointment viewing, they had appointment <laughs> viewing for Tears. Um, and so I think I knew kind of like just vaguely from a few scenes who he was, but um, in only one exposure to him on Frasier, if. Ted Danson's acting, I think, is is understated in a way that you can kind of miss the layers of what's going on. And in only one single episode, I think it's really easy to miss what makes Ted Danson's portrayal of Sam Malone so special. And I think he held back on that episode to not steal from Frasier. Right. He was the centerpiece on Cheers, and he was... He knows how to give in acting. Yeah. He's not going to mm-hmm. just take it all from in that episode. Yeah, he was the spot of color on Frasier, whereas he's... like I, I think... Um, in the Frasier book, I think I think Kelsey Grandma sa- says on Cheers, I I acted differently because I was a side character and I was that splash of color. On mm. Frasier, I'm the canvas, and I need to let all the other actors be the splashes of color, and I need to accept that that, that that's going to be simultaneously sometimes more prominent, but also I get to have less less fun. Maybe. <laughs> or you know, I get to, I get to do I have to do different things um, on, on Frasier and Sam Malone on Cheers is the canvas, right? right. Like yes. it's the Sam yeah. and Diane years. Those two are the canvas on which everything else is going to be painted. And then even in the Rebecca years, Sam is really center. Um, it's more for, center, yeah. Yeah, for, for what's happening in a lot of ways. And appearing over on Frasier, he was a guest star, and I think he knew it. Um, and like I said, Ted Danson, it's, once you start to go back and like look for the layers, it's a delightfully layered but understated performance yeah. <laughs> for, for, for Ted Danson or for Sam Malone in a lot of ways. Um, he's not as big and bold as like a Cliff Clavin character on Cheers or Rebecca having a meltdown or Frasier you know, yelling pompously on, on Cheers <laughs> or any of those things. But there's a lot of comedy that he's mining oh, um, so from little much. looks and, and um, little line deliveries. Little hand movements. Yes, and he just the way – if you ever go back and watch Cheers – Watch for the moments when he chooses to take a drink from a water bottle, <laughs> and it, it becomes funny <laughs> to watch. And and Ted Danson's like choice, like okay, now's the moment for the water bottle, so that I am coming out of the drink to deliver this punchline. <laughs> yes, and coming out of the drink with like the little gasp of air makes it <laughs> funnier than if he had just been standing there and delivered the line. Right. So credit to Ted Danson. <laughs> and his... We're the only ones to do so. <laughs> Nobody's ever praised that man. No, no in acting. <laughs> no one adores him on the Good Place now. <laughs> not a national treasure at all <laughs> um but specifically we're gonna be talking about two episodes from cheers we're gonna talk about endless slumper which was uh the 10th episode of the first season and it was written by sam simon and directed by jimmy burrows and it first aired on december 2nd 1982 and we're also gonna be talking about everybody imitates art which was written by heidi perlman the sister of real perlman who plays carla on the show and side note if you start to look into heidi perlman that is a prolific writer <laughs> On television, she is everywhere. She's got her fingers in everything. <laughs> yes, uh, and this and that episode was uh, directed by Jimmy Burrows, like almost every episode <laughs> of, of Cheers, uh, and it first aired uh, on December fourth, nineteen eighty six, also on NBC, as all the Cheers episodes did. Um, we covered a lot of the trivia um, for Cheers when we when we talked about uh, Diane episode. Well, I guess a lot. We we covered some trivia. <laughs> Some other things that I thought um, worth noting, um, 
would be uh, in, in the second episode we're talking about today, we have Woody, right? Uh, who we didn't touch on because he wasn't there in, in the pilot episode. Uh, so Kate, Woody Harrelson coming on to Cheers. Oh. <laughs> I adore Woody. Every time from season three, I love Coach. I'm so sad when he's gone, but then Woody appears on camera and it just feels so right. I get so excited every time. And I, I think it's an interesting thing for a show that had 11 years and so many cast changes. Coach, uh, uh, the actor passed away. Diane left after season five. Frazier became a regular. Uh, you know, he was introduced in season three, became, became a regular. Lilith becomes a regular. Woody becomes a regular. Rebecca replaces Diane. Like there's, there's so much change that I think for a lot of fans of the show, if you ask them like, what is the platonic ideal of Cheers? Like, what is the best version of Cheers? There's a lot of different answers out there. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to say. Um, that can be given. And, and some of maybe when you came to it, because again, like now it's like, oh, I'm going to stream the whole thing. You can go do that and be done in, you know, several months time. You can go <laughs> through the entire series if you just do a couple episodes a night. Um, but when it was on across a decade of people's lives and it was only airing Thursday nights on NBC. I'm guessing that, you know, some people suddenly had jobs that they couldn't commit to watching it on Thursday nights for a while. And then they came back and there's a whole different cast or maybe they, they mm-hmm. got old enough to be able to watch it. And they came in during a certain era or they had watched it. They lost the habit of watching it. And there's just going to be different feelings. About <laughs> what is the best version of cheers? Uh, and it just kind of fascinates me for like, uh, for this show to have so much variation. Um, within it, uh, even as it's like, yeah, there's slightly different tone and different characters, but it still feels like Cheers the entire time. It was a credit to the bar. It's still the same bar. And it's a visually, dance in a yeah. If if he left, then it's done. But it's still you. You look at a scene. There's still going to be Ted Danson there at the bar, and you you know the bar. And uh, when. The, the network was trying to get a 12th season of Cheers, and it's when when Ted Danson said, I think I'm done. They're like, okay, it's done. Yeah, that's, wrap, guys. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Great job. Yeah, we will we will spin off Kelsey Grammar onto Frasier, and that premiered the very next season was was when Frasier came. But uh, there was no talk of continuing Cheers as Cheers without Ted Danson uh, in it, uh, which is right. <laughs> Massive credit to Ted for <laughs> carrying that. Um, but since we're mentioning the finale, one of my other favorite bits of trivia about Cheers is that the night of the finale, this being NBC in the 1990s, who had no sense of scale <laughs> or, or or shame or anything. It was all NBC all the time as far as those execs were concerned, which obviously they were big the network. Um, but they blew out the series finale into an all night event <laughs> on NBC. Uh, and it included the cast, the entire cast of cheers um, or the core cast of cheers appearing on uh, the tonight show with Jay Leno right after the finale finished. Now, this was not a good plan <laughs> because as part of this, they weren't going to do it on set at the tonight show. They were going to go to Boston to the bull and Finch pub, which was the model of the, the original model for cheers. And that's all well and good. You want to celebrate that. However, the cast was there for a few hours <laughs> before cameras began rolling on The Tonight Show. With at Jay a bar. <laughs> at a bar. And you can find this entire thing on YouTube. It's very comfortable viewing because they're so all so clearly drunk. <laughs> and and uh, Jay Leno is really trying to wrangle 
<laughs> these very exuberant uh, celebratory actors uh, into something that is cohesive, and it is not. <laughs> not at all. And then, uh, <laughs> just one other thing that's charming, at the end, they go up to the street level, and they bring all the cast out, and uh, I can't remember now the name of the, uh, of the, the duo who wrote the theme song, but they're going to perform the theme song on the piano, and the cast are there to sing, and you see half the cast just like making loud sounds and then you look over and you see John Ratzenberger who played Cliff Clavin and he's very studiously looking at some sheet music <laughs> and singing along with the lyrics <laughs> to the theme song of Cheers. Uh, but the, uh, the the finale of Cheers massively viewed but then led into this debacle of a Tonight Show episode. And an hour and a half. Yeah, they blew out the Tonight Show episode. <laughs> well, the it was three episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, finale uh, season, season finale right and then the and they also had a bob costas hosted special retrospective of cheers it was that, a long night <laughs> it was a lot of cheers that night <laughs> nbc knew where their red was buttered. <laughs> uh there, i can't remember the exact notal uh number but there's a book called top of the rock which is an oral history of nbc from the 80s through the 90s um maybe even to the early 2000s uh but in it in the chapter on cheers they talked to some one of the nbc execs that said we started to do the math on how much cheers was worth to the network when it was going off the air and i can't remember the exact number i know it was b (laughs) it was billions there was a b involved uh just in terms of merchandise and ad revenue and syndication rights and everything cheers was one of the biggest hits in history uh All right. Well, before we move on to talk about these two episodes, listeners, we want to thank you for listening and especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $8 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special podcasts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and give monthly updates on our fantasy box office. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And if anyone wants to support us for like $200 a month, we will make your own episode every month <laughs> just for you <laughs> just for one one person that is, that is an option uh <laughs> all right uh for these episodes um endless slumber comes in season one which is when S- uh, sam and diane are still in a flirtatious flirtatious relationship but have not committed to any long-term romance or anything at all all right and the episode begins with cliff having a bet with a bar patron about Sam's bar slide, where Sam can slide a beer around a 90-degree t- corner on the bar. Sam easily performs the trick. Um, a slumping Red Sox pitcher named Rick comes to talk to Sam about his pitching struggles, and Diane tells Sam to suggest meditation to Rick. Uh, Coach, on the other end of the bar, is suggesting that Rick try seeing a woman or two to lessen his stress, and Rick says he doesn't think that's the answer, and Diane comes up and thinks they've been talking about meditation and not what Coach was just <laughs> suggesting, and says she that Rick should not ignore the suggestion and she can help Rick with this with this method <laughs> of solving this problem. And she'll even show him how to do it in the office right now. And one loud slap later, Diane storms out of the office. <laughs> uh, later, Sam is talking about superstitions with Rick. When Coach mentions Sam's lucky charm, Sam shows Rick his lucky bottle cap and Rick begs to borrow it. Sam is hesitant to loan out his lucky bottle cap, but eventually Rick takes it for a couple days. Right after giving Rick the bottle cap, Sam tries to do his bar slide for another patron, but the beer goes flying off the edge of the bar. A couple weeks go by, and Rick is on a big win streak for the Boston Red Sox, but Sam has had a crazy streak of bad luck in his personal life. Sam blames his lost bottle cap. 
Diane tries to talk him out of this, saying it's just a superstition. And confused about why Sam takes this so seriously, Diane asks Coach how many games Sam won carrying that bottle cap. Coach says zero. Diane is really confused about the bottle cap's significance. As soon as the Red Sox game is over that night, Sam is planning to call Rick to ask for his bottle cap back. Um, However, the game goes into extra innings. 21 extra (laughs) innings. Uh, The bar closes and everyone leaves but Sam. Diane stays with him while uh, waiting for the game to finally end. Uh, When it does, Sam calls Rick, but Rick isn't available and will call back. And while they're waiting for Rick to call back, Dan Uh, Diane asks Sam why this bottle cap is so important, and Sam tells her it's the bottle cap from the last bottle of beer he ever drank, and anytime he thinks of drinking again, he grabs it and looks at it, and that stops him. He says the bottle cap got him through some rough nights. Rick calls and says uh, that he lost the bottle cap in Kansas City. And I got to say, Ted Danson's acting on this phone call is amazing. (laughs) Like, it's worth watching this episode just for that moment. We're like, oh, this is a real actor at work showing his profession. everything, yeah. Yes. Like the way he says the name Rick after Rick tells him. (laughs) It's it's a really fantastic line delivery. Um, So Sam hangs up. And then Diane offers to travel to Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the implication that they're going to go look for this bottle cap. But Sam ignores her, and Diane asks if she can just talk with him, and Sam tells her to go home. But she says she won't leave him alone in a bar tonight. And Sam says, well, I'm going to be in a bar again tomorrow. And Diane says, but you're going to feel better tomorrow. And then Sam grabs a beer bottle, and he pops it open, and he says he's going to feel better tonight. And he pours the beer into a mug, and he stares at it, and then he does a perfect bar slide around the corner of the bar, and he flips the bottle cap in the air and catches it and says he has, now has a new lucky bottle cap. The end of Endless Slumber. One thing about the early Cheers episodes, there's often just an A plot line, <laughs> which makes summarizing really easy. But when you're used to contemporary sitcoms from today, where there's often two or three intersecting storylines that then all come together at the end, yeah. it's really different. <laughs> you just got to set yourself up for a different pace when you go back. The second episode is from season five, and it's called Everyone Imitates Art. And this comes at a point in the Sam and Diane relationship where they've been together, they've been apart, <laughs> they've both pursued each other. And at this point, Diane is pursuing Sam again and saying, you are going to marry me because he proposed to her and she said no, but then wanted to take it back and he wouldn't take it back. And she says, you will. We're going to get married. And Sam's over it. Sam's done. He's washed his, hair, his hands of this relationship. Um, Diane receives what she calls a very promising rejection letter <laughs> from a new poetry journal called Scissorgy, which I love the name of that journal, Scissorgy. <laughs> Frazier and Sam insist that this is just a form rejection letter, and anyone who is rejected by the journal would receive the exact same letter. Diane says the journal wouldn't have even bothered sending her a letter if they didn't think she had promise. Sam says he's going to write a poem and submit it just to prove that he can be as much of a reject as Diane is. <laughs> a few weeks later, Sam slides Diane a copy of Scissorgy and points out a poem on I think page 33 and she turns to 37. it 37. <laughs> and she reads it and says what's the name of it? Nocturne? Is it Nocturne? I think so. Yeah, she reads it and says, Nocturne by Sam Malone. <laughs> Her acting is so good in this moment. <laughs> and she, she freaks out. She drops the journal uh, because Sam Malone has published a piece of poetry. And she picks it up and says, this is hack work. I can't believe that this was accepted. And then she thinks, wait, I recognize this poem. 
this is plagiarism. You took someone else's poetry and published it under your own name. And Sam will not admit where he got the poem from. He's just kind of smugly. <laughs> He's enjoying that he got a poem published in Syzergy. And Diane drives herself crazy looking for the original poem. She searches through her poetry collections and uh, she goes to the library and she's just reading every poem she can find. And she's trying to understand the meter of the poem to figure out what movement it's from. And she cannot find the original poem. Eventually, uh, with Diane nearing a nervous breakdown at this point, Woody reveals that he submitted a poem and got the same rejection letter, letter that Diane had. And Diane views this as rock bottom, while Woody proudly says he's going to frame his letter. <laughs> Woody is so fantastic. <laughs> uh, seeing Diane is now really quite distraught, Sam takes her to his office. <laughs> by literally dragging the chair she's sitting in because she will not move. And he reveals to her that he did not steal the poem from a published author, but it's not his work. It came from a love letter that Diane had sent to Sam when they were dating. Diane is overjoyed to learn that her work was published, but then she gets mad at Sam for lying about the poem and then letting Diane drive herself crazy looking for the source when he knew all along where it had come from. Um, then Diane turns around uh, oh wait sorry first then diane says sam you cannot take credit for my work you have to go out to the bar and tell everyone that this is my poem that was published he's like i have to tell everyone that i'm not a poet <laughs> oh the punishment <laughs> uh and so she's going out to hold the door but and then she runs back in and kisses sam passionately because she realizes this means sam kept her love letters and Sam insists that he did not save her love letters. Uh, he just found this one <laughs> in my office. I've got pizza boxes older than this letter, he says to Diane. Uh, Sam looks uh, Diane in the eye and tells her, I don't love you anymore. Diane leaves the office and Sam pulls open a drawer and pulls out a well-kept bundle of letters that are tied together with a red string. And he unties the bow and is sliding the letter back into its place because it has its perfect place in this bundle of letters when Diane pops back into the office and catches Sam with the letters and she celebrates because now she knows that he really did value their relationship and she's more convinced than ever that they will get married. The end. <laughs> I guess we should, we should mention that Sam's like, there's lots of stuff in this drawer. I, 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 I got my toaster warranty in here. Four paper clips. <laughs> Uh, all right. I like these two episodes because they reveal a lot more to Sam Malone than that, um, the pop culture version of him. That is just one of the great womanizers of television history, right? You see the depth of both his struggles with alcoholism and then this like truly romantic side <laughs> of, yes. of him. Uh, and Ted Danson in talking about playing Sam Malone, he said, if they hadn't made him an alcoholic, the character wouldn't have been worth a hill of beans. He needed that tragedy to hang um, his performance on because if it was just a womanizer. He said it would have gotten old so fast and he wouldn't have found anything to say uh, about the character, but having him be this washed out professional baseball pitcher who was also an alcoholic. Um, he said that that added depth that the character needed. Do you have like in, in these two episodes, is there something that resonates for you as a viewer, as a viewer about Sam Malone? Kate? So much. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. We'll start with Endless Slumber. Endless Slumber. Slumber. Yeah. Yes. Um, I always love, I mean, this episode's one of my favorites, and the part where he says, you know, or she, Diane says, let's get you out of the bar, and he says, well, what's the point? I'm going to be in a bar tomorrow. Like, this is a problem I face every day, 
is very powerful for the whole show because it's not always brought to light. Like this is an alcoholic struggling every day being surrounded by his vice where that his friends are enjoying, but this brings it right front and center. Yeah. There's a few times where they do bring it up and I think they do. I mean, in some ways it reminds me of um, hearing Peter Jackson talking about the hobbits in Lord of the Rings where he says, <laughs> I, it's coming. I just need to remind the viewers that they're small oh, every now right. and then. Uh, and I'm not going to dwell on it for every shot that I give, but periodically we're going to see the hobbits in re- in relation to normal, you know, to, to humans uh, and, and other characters. And that's going to remind the viewers that, okay, they're small. And then, and then I don't have to really worry about it for like every single shot I'm making. And I think the writer said, we're going to remind the viewers every now and then. Uh, and this is the one where like, it's really a plot point. Uh, after Sam and Diane break up, he turns back to alcoholism for the only time we see him drink. Uh, he, he, yeah. he's, he's a heavy drinker at the, in the uh, premiere of season three, just for that episode. And that's it. And then Fraser Fraser helps get him over that. Um, well, and Coach. And Coach. Puts yeah. Oh, Co- Coach is great. In that. <laughs> I forgot how great Coach is in that. Um, but then there's another one where uh, Woody is trying to make drinks, like make a new alcoholic mix, like like actually oh, yeah, create a new yeah, yeah. drink. And then he hands it to Sam and says, Just Here. casually. Yeah, he's handed it to everyone else and everyone else has drunk it and said, oh, that's really great. And then he hands it to Sam and Sam just violently says, I can't touch that. I'm an, I'm an alcoholic. And he's not like reprimanding Woody. He's just stating, guys, this is still an issue for me. Yeah. And, and just the way he says, I can't touch that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, it's such a great delivery that just reminds he's you. he's pouring drinks all day long. Mm-hmm. But it's not just a good way. reminder that, oh, there's this aspect of this character that we're not going to make define him but it's gonna be a roiling you know bit of subtext to a lot of what what we see from sam yes i'm sorry i took over <laughs> you, you were saying you were saying that like this is one of the like the first big reminders for us like we were told in the pilot that he I, washed out the majors from drinking yeah like he just casually mentions like i had a drinking problem yeah. but this one really portrays how much of an issue it is in his life there is an article about the episode Endless Slumber from an, a writer named Vikram Murphy, and it appeared in uh, on the website Vulture on December 6th, 2017, and it's called When Cheers Became Cheers, An Appreciation of Endless Slumber. And it has a quote that I like where it says, With any great show, there comes an episode that elevates its status from very good to all-timer by surpassing its fixed potential and entering a new plane of quality. For Cheers, that episode was Endless Slumper, which came 10 weeks into its run on December 2nd, 1982, and illustrated what exactly the series was capable of accomplishing. And uh, those previous nine episodes were good, solid, you know, sitcom episodes. Uh, But this definitely showed uh, like a different level of quality that we reached in terms of the writing, the acting, and the directing all coming together. So you mentioned like that it becomes like a stage play. Uh, with just Sam and Diane in the bar with the way the lighting changes and that they, uh, Ted Danson and Shelly give that very raw performance uh, as, as they're um, as she's scared for him. Like you feel she's scared for about yeah. what he's going to do and you feel he almost wants to push her away and just do it. <laughs> you know, he's like kind of saying this, this is inevitable. This is, this is going to be part of who I am is being an alcoholic. And she's saying, no, you're part of who you are is going to be a recovering alcoholic. And uh, I, I think what, um, Murphy says in in that article is is um, true that like sometimes you come across, across an episode where like oh okay like they're they're good sitcoms that are perfectly fine to sit back and enjoy but then you come across some sitcoms where like mm, <laughs> we are as he says like reaching a different plane of quality uh, than than what you expect to find for for a half hour sitcom and I think it's perfectly great for a sitcom to drone along at a solid level 
But if you find those series that like say, okay, we're going to draw along at a really excellent level, but we're also going to like have those <laughs> episodes that aren't like special episodes. Like we're teaching you a lesson, which it could feel like when you're talking about alcoholism, where it's like, oh, we're going to be special. We're going to teach you a lesson. It's going to be a, uh, an after school special. It's like, no, this is just a special episode because of great writing and performing and theme, all of those coming together in one package. Yes. Um, what about the uh, the other episode that, that we're talking about? Uh, everybody imitates art. Oh, Sam and his little romantic heart that you <laughs> don't expect. <laughs> well, I think this one is crucial to the Sam and Diane years to kind of validate all the ups and downs and the endless torment they give each other is how much Sam truly loves Diane. Yeah. Regardless of everything. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean, if Sam was just a womanizer, I agree with Ted Danson. The character isn't interesting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't really be invested uh, in him. And there are certainly episodes that lean too far into that, like some low points when uh, one of his old girlfriends who had a daughter that he, he liked when she was a kid and she's now 18 and Sam's going to pursue both of them. Like, no. That, that's yucky. a bad episode. <laughs> and it's yucky for Sam and it just feels wrong. And I'm not saying that from like a 2018 perspective looking back on art. I think it probably felt pretty yucky then. <laughs> Probably. Well, and I think it must have because the writers, like by the end of the episode, really shut Sam down and put him in his place for that. But it's like, why did you even explore that? (laughs) Like, it just feels gross the whole time that he's pursuing those two women um, simultaneously, the mother daughter. Uh, So there are like other flaws within Sam (laughs) that certainly get highlighted. And by the end of the series, like his womanizing is viewed as a flaw um, and a failure. Um, by him yes. a, a failure to grow up and a failure to mature and he gets addressed head on in the last like six episodes of the series or so like it becomes one of the major plot points is saying sam you need to grow up now <laughs> like this is 11 <laughs> years of seeing you do this um and in some ways i guess you could say the producers kind of having their cake and eating it too and saying well we've had a decade plus of telling all the jokes about sam being a womanizer and now at the very end we're gonna say maybe not the greatest role model <laughs> right <laughs> maybe not uh what we should be putting on television as like the paragon of masculinity and in, in the at this point the early 1990s um you know for american viewers uh but because of some of these early episodes like endless slumber i think it it feels true to Sam to say, I've got some flaws. <laughs> I've got some layers. Uh, and, and so some positives are going to be hidden. Some flaws that are going to be viewed as positive are going to become negatives. Like all those things are going to be part of the package of Sam alone. And uh, with this volatile Sam and Diane relationship to see like this hidden romantic side of Sam that he wouldn't show anyone. He doesn't want to show Diane even. No. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> you know, he doesn't even want to show the woman that he he was wooing. Uh, you know, there's this kind of hidden romantic side to him. Um, I, I think it just adds uh, an interesting quality to to Sam Malone as a character. Yes, that he he wants to be this frat guy that all the bar patrons praise, but really deep, deep, deep down, mm-hmm. he's a romantic at heart. And I think it's interesting to contrast these the last six minutes of these two episodes because they are both two character plays with sam and diane (laughs) and very different feelings (laughs) uh, around them and i think it speaks to the quality of shelly and ted uh and and their acting and also um jimmy burrow's directing um in 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 the slumber you have them at the bar you know the center of the whole show and as you said like the lighting changes it's closed there's only two in the bar and it's fraught with danger (laughs) right the danger of sam turning to alcohol again and you get Shelly being able to play fear and exasperation and then like just utter profound relief 
when Sam does the bar slide and grabs the bar, the, yes. the, the beer bottle, like Shelly plays relief so well in that moment. And you get Sam playing those layers of anger and frustration and despair, right? His own despair, a different kind of despair than what, what Shelly was playing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a different giving kind of despair. Up. Yeah, giving up uh, and then triumph. Uh, at the end, like you get all that in those oh, last his six little minutes. clap when he does it. Is yes, and when he grabs phenomenal. that bottle cap out of the air, like, yeah, I wonder how he takes that time to really <laughs> grab the bottle cap so perfectly. Because by all reports, Sam was not the most athletic. Like even though he's playing <laughs> or, or Ted Danson yeah. was was not, uh, you know, the the kind of athlete you would expect uh, <laughs> an actor playing a professional athlete uh, to be. Um, and then with uh, the second episode we're talking about, it's them in the office, which is their own private space. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's Sam's private space, but for a lot of the series, it becomes Sam and it's Diane's Sam private, and Diane. space, yeah. <laughs> private space, where they go away from all um, the the other characters that are all lovable, great characters. But these two episodes of like so much of these first five years, it's Sam and Diane's show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we get another intimate scene between these two. And this time the intimacy isn't fear and danger. It's... It's like revelation and romance. And playful. Yes. And there's the playfulness from Shelly particularly. And even Sam's like despondency when he's like the four paper clips. Like there's a playfulness <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, the, to that line. Oh, I have to go tell everyone I'm not a poet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in such trouble now. <laughs> you really got me. <laughs> um, and I think this is important for like if, if I almost wish in the Sam and Diana relationship, this had been the reset episode and not the court ordered um, oh, yeah. uh, romance that, that this is the turning point that is going to guide Sam them to gives in to the wedding uh, yeah. that's at the series five finale, um, the wedding scene, um, because by having him still fight it more and then again, having a court order them to, <laughs> to get engaged. It's just like, that's, that's sitcom in the wrong kind of sitcom. Bad idea. Yeah. It is the wrong kind of sitcom cliche. Um, and Cheer so often is hitting the right kind of sitcom uh, feeling. And, and, and even at times cliches, even if they're cliches because of Cheers, <laughs> because everyone's even hitting Cheers afterwards. Um, is for you, uh, like we, we talked at the beginning, you kind of knew Sam before, uh, just as like the guy who showed up on Cheers, or on Frasier and got mentioned a few times and kind of as this figure in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like he's just part of the DNA of American popular culture. Even if you don't watch Cheers, you're probably aware of what Cheers is and You've who heard Sam alone is. Sam Diane. Sam yeah, Diane. and Sam and Diane. Okay, yeah, this is the other thing <laughs> we need to note is uh, the will they, won't they dynamic for television. Like Sam and Diane, they really codified that as going to saying this is going to be one of the staples of sitcoms. Like sitcoms are going to introduce you to two characters, uh, Niles and Daphne, uh, Jim and Pam, uh, uh, Ross and Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. right? Uh, uh, what's the Big Bang Theory one? Um, Leonard, Penny. And, Leonard and Penny, right? And, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn, yes. I don't know their character names. Yeah, but but this is going to be one of the driving forces of sitcoms, and that came about because of Cheers. <laughs> like they're they're the ones that set this, and and so it's hard not to know anything about Sam right. before you come into Cheers. <laughs> But for you as um, someone who had to watch Cheers both like to discover what the show was and then also critically to be able to write an analysis of it for the book, what do you come away with your feelings about Sam Malone? <laughs> so many feelings. <laughs> um, he's just like a tragic character that it, that was a superstar athlete and then lost it because of his own vice and – never can fully recover from that and then you know, loves his bar but also 
kind of wants more and loves women, but also wants more and just can't figure out exactly what he wants in life. Yeah. And then those last episodes when they kind of say the way you're living, you're like how Rebecca says to him, you are a joke. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, so harsh and, and yet you kind of like he needs to hear that but he needs it <laughs> but it hurts <laughs> like she says the way you live your life is a punchline and no because because at this point sam's kind of saying well like he's recognizing it in himself my womanizing ways haven't really given me happiness and fulfillment i might need to settle down and Rebecca says no woman like, would ever consider <laughs> you as someone they can settle down with and sam actually goes to um a sex addict uh, uh support group um, which considering w- where Cheers found so much of his humor for 10 years, that's a big change <laughs> uh, for Sam Malone, the character to kind of say, well, I need a change. And he gives one of the best written monologues oh. <laughs> um, in the show as he introduces himself to this group. And he kind of says what the creators of the show realized. They, like they have said, if we were starting the show in the nineties, we could not have, a character like Sam Malone. No, At the yeah. core of it, starting him in the early 80s, like that womanizing Lothario side was what a lot of people accepted masculinity to look like, like or at least to be performed as. And by the 90s, there'd been a pretty big shift. And so they wrote it all into a monologue and said, you know, growing up, I thought this is what manliness was and what manhood in America was going to be. And I guess things changed and no one told me. Yeah, was like, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, and, and I think that some of that is like this meta commentary about the producer saying, we know there's some problematic parts to Sam Malone's character. And we're going to acknowledge that before we go out, before we close out the show. Mm. Um, which, when we were working on the book, I, I found more than one article that kind of said, like, Cheers was great because they never let any of the characters change. I'm like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Sam Malone changed pretty significantly. Like, that was the last season was about Sam Malone realizing I need to change. Complete 180. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, and, and maybe it goes back to the, what we were saying earlier, where like everyone can have their own platonic ideal of what Cheers is. And if it's in those middle years, you can choose not to think of Sam. Yeah, he didn't change. Yeah. Um, I like what you said about him being tragic. Cause the, mm. So it's not just, I mean, it, there's so much about him that is tragic, right? <laughs> so there's the, the sports career that he ruined with his alcoholism. He's got this hidden, like uh, this vein of alcoholism that's defining him, even as he's choosing to put himself inside of a bar. Yeah. (laughs) And and, like, there's a few times where they acknowledge that, like there's something weird (laughs) about a guy (laughs) who's a recovering alcoholic and chooses. Well, he says in the first, in the pilot, I bought it while I was drunk. Now I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Prove it to myself. But there's also like, he, uh, I can't remember what it is, but at some point, uh, someone's like interested in the life story is like, yeah, it's really interesting to have a, an, uh, a recovering alcoholic who owns a bar. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then there's all these, like the Sam and Diane romance is, is a tragedy. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> yes. Epic and, and it doesn't end happily. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not the Shakespeare story that's ending in the, in the wedding. <laughs> At the end. Um, and then uh, after Diane leaves, he loses the bar and he spends a couple of years trying to get the bar back. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then he realizes his life has been kind of a mistake and is a little hollow. Uh, and he realizes it, it's hollow several times throughout the series. And he tries, he tries to change it in different ways. He wants a kid at one point. He wants a kid. Yeah. He, he tries to have the long-term relationship with Diane. He envisions what that would look like in the future. Right. Um, 
and then he he makes these decisions to change but the whole series does end with norm and sam alone in the bar right Mm -hmm. and uh and norm saying you always come back to what you love right the yeah yeah that's and (laughs) you know sam thinks norm's talking about beer (laughs) (laughs) but norm was for sam was talking about the bar the bar like people yeah the people the bar like this this place has meaning for you sam that is going to be as significant as some of those voids that you think need to be filled like they're they can't be filled already <laughs> with, with with what you already oh, have. what does he say it doesn't matter what you love as long as you love it fully fully and completely mm-hmm. such a great <laughs> idea yeah. uh and again sam thinks norm is talking about beer which for for norm <laughs> that is norm's Might truth been. norm chasing his bliss is just finding a beer <laughs> uh but for sam I, th- I think they're saying something about the bar itself is where sam is like for viewers um who have come to love sam despite all these flaws that are, are pretty apparent uh they're saying sam has a place and he's he's gonna have his happiness and it's gonna be here in this bar even if we're not sending him off with a marriage to diane or a marriage to Rebecca, both of which were on the table, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or a child, right? You know, all of which were on the table. Uh, or even, I, I guess if they really want to lean into the tragedy, I, the producers did consider for the final season uh, giving Sam AIDS, uh, yes, which yeah. would have really leaned into the, the, the tragic, uh, you know, aspect of his character. But I think it's important when we like to say, okay, yeah, there, Sam's a flawed character and there are issues with 2018 eyes looking at this character from the 1980s and the, all the machismo and, and the, the performative masculinity and how that got portrayed on American television in the 1980s. There's still this kind of undercurrent of always saying there's a hollowness <laughs> to, to how he's living his life. And there's kind of an unhappiness, which is driving him to live life this way. Right. Well, another thing I really love about this episode is which one? Cause we're talking about two. And I've also brought in I'm the sorry. finale quite a bit. <laughs> the love letters one. Uh, the, it's, it's initially playful between Sam and Diane that, oh, you can't write a poem. And he's like, watch me. And then, you know, he misleads her and then toys with her. And then she's truly upset. And he says, I thought we were just teasing. I went too far. I'm sorry. Which he never really apologizes in any other point in the series. But it just just shows. Well, it does a few, like the car. (laughs) The car with the woman. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I meant to Diane. Oh, to Diane. Yes, there, yeah. There's such a playful, their banter is the keystone to their relationship. And both are so strong-headed. They rarely will ever say, oh, you won or you're right. But this one, he says, I went too far and I'm sorry. Which is a side you don't get to see. And yeah. then, then, then he shows the love letters. It's just... Which again is why I think this could have been a more satisfying launching point to saying we're we're fixing our relationship. Yes, you know we're we're we're, we're going to give this another go. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting also, like looking at Diane's reactions. They let her run through quite a bit in learning the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that she she celebrates, then she's angry at Sam, then she has like the realization and then she's disappointed when he says, I really don't love you. And then she has the smug, self-satisfied, I knew it. Don't I know my darling better <laughs> yeah. than anyone oh, else? That's, that's, what, that's the line. Yes, don't I know my darling. Yeah. Um, and and it, I think it would be possible to present this storyline and just hit one of those notes for her reaction and have it feel satisfying right mm-hmm. and i feel like okay they told their story 
Like when she gets mad at him or like she's elated and then she comes back and be like, oh, you always get away with this. Go out there and apologize. Yeah. It would have been like. Or even that's just enough. like I could see an uh, you know, uh, another sitcom that's just you know a good sitcom, but not like striving for that greater plane of excellence. Just saying, oh, she's excited she got her her thing published. Oh, and yeah, we're moving yeah. on, and then she and this will never be mentioned it. again. Yeah, <laughs> right. This volume will never be mentioned again. But then they say, okay, well, let's. What else would be her reaction be? And we're going to play with that. And then what would the reaction be after that? And then how would he react to that reaction? Mm. And they're going to set aside the final act to just be these two characters. Right, and that's what they did with the end of the summer. We're going to set aside the final act of this episode to just be these two characters playing off each other. And you need really good actors to be able to pull that <laughs> off, but you also need really good writing to make six minutes of an episode, you know, yes. or so, uh, just be two characters having a conversation. Um, and I, I think both of these episodes and the slumper and uh, uh, everybody imitates art do a really good job of saying if, if everyone can bring their A game, this can be riveting television. To just yes. watch two people have a conversation. <laughs> it, speaking of their talent, just to highlight 2018, both were on top sitcoms. Shelley Long was on Modern Family, Ted Danson on Good Place, both still very relevant yeah. in pop culture. Mm -hmm. Very strong actors. <laughs> yes. And Ted Danson is killing it on Good Place. Oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, besides recommending 11 years of Cheers, I recommend three years of The Good Place. Fantastic. <laughs> the Good Place. And there's one scene of The Good Place where Ted Danson's behind a bar. It's just, oh, the feelings. <laughs> it just feels right to see him there. And I, I uh, 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 The Good Place, the podcast. Don't spoil. Well, just Mike Schur said he asked Ted's permission oh. to put him behind a bar. Uh, because you can't. <laughs> you can't just <laughs> You can't put the actor who plays Sam Malone behind a bar just on a whim. <laughs> like, it ha there has to be a real reason you're doing that. Because it is part of the... Uh, the DNA of all sitcoms, right? Yeah. But, but the DNA of American popular culture is cheer Cheers is in there. And to put Ted Danson behind a bar, if it wasn't earned or didn't have a reason, it would, that would feel so trivializing. America would <laughs> be so upset. Yeah. Well, Kate, uh, any final thoughts on Sam Malone that you want to make sure we cover? Um, just love him. Just love my Sam. Flaws and all. <laughs> I mean, charming men get away with so much in this world, and Sam alone is proof of that. And I'm still just going to let him get away with so much. I still just, what a great character. Great writing. But, uh, Ted crushed it. Okay. Yes, but also in, in analyzing the show for more depth, for, for writing a book for Roman and Littlefield on, on Cheers, I really came to appreciate the... Um, like you said, there's the tragedy behind Sam, but I also let the character change and evolve. And particularly that last season when they knew they were signing off, they wanted to say something with Sam. And I think I'd have a lot more issues in talking about Sam alone if they didn't give us that final season. Didn't when close he, him up. Yeah. yeah. When, when they would say, okay, this, <laughs> this lifestyle is not something you can carry on. And Ted Danson in talking about playing Sam alone, he said it started to feel a little sad. And so he was really glad yeah. <laughs> that they gave him those final, you know, that, that final season to say, I'm going to be making some changes in my life and I'm still going to have the bar. <laughs> like, like I, I still love the bar. I'm still going to have the bar, but Sam Malone isn't going to be the same Sam Malone we met in 1983. Now, you know, that we're going through the nineties. Yeah. I mean, we wrote a whole chapter on him and all his growth. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and, oh, and, and like you pointed out, like so much of it is rooted in tragedy for him, which I don't think 
they front load for viewers in Samuel. Like it, it is perfectly a perfectly valid way to watch Cheers and just sit back and turn on an episode and, and laugh along. And just think like, he's this great yeah. sports player that now owns a bar. Uh-huh. And that's all the layers. And, well, and I think there's that great quote from Ted Danson that said somehow the writers gave him a character that would let him walk through an airport and a, a frat boy would be like, yeah, Sam! And yell at him and he'd be like, yeah! And, and then... Uh, he'd he he would also have like a woman who's that next woman bar and said I kind of really like Sam Melody even though I shouldn't. <laughs> 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 he said he said that that's a fine line that the writers are are giving him, but yeah. they they managed to give it to to make it work. All right, I think that is going to wrap up this this episode, uh, listeners. We are planning to drop this around the time that uh, the book that Kate and I co-authored called "Cheers: Cultural H- History" should be coming out. So look for that from any bookseller, and we would appreciate it if you would <laughs> then make a purchase <laughs> through a bookseller. Uh, but for show notes uh, and links to all the other great dueling genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 153, when we had Kate on to talk about Gilmore Girls, or episode 214, when we had Kate on to talk about Diane Chambers from Cheers. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss, or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com, or us on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod and at jdorowski, and our producer, Andrew, is at dismanit on Twitter. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners, and we'd love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. checking in on us oh he says he has a disconnect on his end but i'm still seeing our waveform well enjoy this edit